podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. So Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to have a look at verse 1 through 23. We've been powering up over the last few weeks, and I hope this has resonated with you as we've gone through the Word together and had a look at some characters in the Bible where God has been with them, who's enabled them then to, to get through some tough situations, some difficult circumstances. And as we have looked, as we draw near to God, the word tells us that he draws near to us. We've seen Gideon. And also last week then we saw Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three guys would not worship the King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. And so they were thrown into a fiery furnace. God rescued them from the furnace. He rescued them from the hand of the king. And the whole kingdom then saw that God, the God that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego worshipped, that he was able to do the impossible. He was able to do the impossible. And that was displayed, wasn't it, through their actions, through their character, through their faith. And as we think on that, that's really where we're going to focus our attention today as we power up, as we look at this account of Daniel, who as we have already heard this morning, whose name was (laughs) Belteshazzar. Daniel was renamed, much like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, to have this name. And Nebuchadnezzar gave him a name of Belteshazzar, which... As we now understand, time has moved on a little bit. Nebuchadnezzar is no more. His son who came in after him is now no more. And there is a new king, a new king by the name of Darius. And he was a Mede. He was a Mede. So Darius, this king, is in power. And Daniel, as we know, was enslaved at the time of Nebuchadnezzar. As he lived in Judah and it was overthrown, it was captured. And he was, along with his friends who we saw last week, in a position of slavery. But Daniel, much like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they carried some weight in the sense that they were very good at doing. They were very reliable, they were very honest, they were hard working. And Daniel, particularly, is picked out because of his commitment to do things right. That's not a bad testimony, is it? Don't we want people to say that about us? You know, the the difference with them is their commitment to do things right. They're a nice person. You can see that there's something different about them. And God willing then, when that person asks you, what is different about you? Well, it's nothing to do with me. It's because I've trusted the Lord as my own personal saviour. That God helps me, that God works through me in order to do things right. And I don't always get things right. But you see how it opens up a conversation in order to be able to speak to people, talk to people about who our God is. Now, Daniel, as I say, is a smart chap. He's exemplary in his actions. 
And because of that, King Darius wants to elevate him to a particularly high position. And don't get me wrong, he's already in a pretty high position, as we're going to read and see. But naturally, if somebody wants to be elevated, somebody wants to elevate somebody else out of a group of people, naturally, there's somebody going to be upset about that. You know that promotion at work that you've been looking to get and maybe you do get it and those people around you that were also trying to get that promotion, well, they're not too happy that you got that promotion over them. Naturally, people aren't so pleased about that situation. So we're going to work through the chapter. We're just going to go to verse 23 and we're going to see how Daniel has a power up moment in a place where you probably don't think that it's going to appear, but it does where his power up moment arrives. So Daniel chapter 6 then, verse 1 and 2 starts like this. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three chief ministers over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So Daniel's pretty high up already. He is basically, if we lay it out, there is the king. There are these chief ministers, one, two and three, of which Daniel is one of them. And then under those three are 120 satraps. These people are in control of the day-to-day running of the kingdom. And Darius, of course, as the king, would have the final say. But of course, he doesn't want to get involved in all the, you know, the stuff that's not that relevant. I only want to be there for the good stuff and I want to make sure that I get the right taxes in. You know, the sort of stuff that kings are able to do. Daniel, though, because of his actions, because of how he is, is picked out even further than just one of these three uh, chief ministers. Verse 3, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the kingdom. He was so good that the king thought he has got to be the one. So we're going to change the order. There's going to be me, there's going to be Daniel, and then there's going to be some chief ministers. Now you see straight away that there are going to be 122 other people that are rather upset. There's going to be a hundred, particularly two, because they're chief ministers. But there's a, another 120 after them that are going to be like, you know, this guy's all right, but what about me? Why don't I stack up? Why can't I get this promotion? And verse 4 then goes on to say to us this. At this, the chief ministers and the satraps try to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They tried to find something wrong that Daniel was doing on his day-to-day with reference to his job. They tried desperately to find something. He's got to be doing something wrong. He's got to have taken a pen home from work. He's got to have. He's got to have said something wrong. He's got to have missed a full stop at the end of a letter. He's got to have done something wrong. And they don't seem to be able to find 
anything. Listen, it says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy. But listen, he was neither corrupt nor negligent. He wasn't taking backhanders and he wasn't forgetting to cross the T's and dot the I's. He was doing everything right. Now, just bear with me a second here. If you are now one of these satraps or chief ministers, at that you think to yourself, to be fair, we should probably let this guy rule. Doesn't that make sense? They're trying desperately to stop him from getting this promotion because they believe that they should be the people who should possibly have at least a say. The king has said Daniel's going to be the man because he is flawless. They've had a look and they've found that he is flawless. Ain't jealousy weird though? Because jealousy has now got in the way in the sense that instead of them going, do you know what, we've had a look and this guy's probably the one we want in charge because he's not going to do anything wrong. He's going to look after us. He's going to make sure that everything's done right. He's going to protect us. I mean, what a guy to have in charge, surely. But jealousy creeps in. And of course, they make a huge mistake and they begin to scheme because the last thing they want is Daniel in charge, even though he seems like he would be a very good ruler. Jealousy can cloud our vision and it can make us into people that we were never supposed to be. We have to be so careful. And now we get this plot, or should we say lie? Let's have a look at what he says, verse 5. Finally, these men said... We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it's something to do with the law of his God. This, do you know what? This guy's that good, we're not going to find anything. So let's try and trip him up on something that we know he's also really good at. Following the law of his God. Putting God first in his life. Let's try and trip him up on that. Let's try and find something wrong with how he operates in his life. So these chief ministers and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. I bet they said that. The royal ministers, prefects, satraps, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Did you see the lie? It says that they all agreed, except one. Daniel did not agree at all. Now for me, the king's made a bit of an issue for a rod for his own back, because at no point did he say, where's, there's a lot of you, there's a lot of you here. Where's Daniel? That would have nipped it in the book, wouldn't it? But instead the king takes them at their word and he goes, right, okay, well, you know, I don't mind fluffing myself up for 30 days. I don't mind having palm branches, you know, wafted over me and people worshiping. And he sets himself up. For a fail, really. A huge fail. He sets himself up in a position where he was never meant to be. King over the land and now, all of a sudden, he wants to be worshipped because he's not thought, well, that is a terrible idea. He's not thought, actually, Daniel, my guy who I want to promote to be ruler, the last thing that he's going to do is worship me because I know he worships Yahweh. So, actually, 
You see, you see what he's done. He's made himself uh, made himself uh, a, a real rod for his own back. But also, these intelligent people, satraps, prefects, prefects, and all the other guys, chief ministers, they've also put themselves in a pretty precarious position, haven't they? Because they've lied. Now, whatever happens now, remember, Daniel is favoured by King Darius. So whatever happens now, they're in a mess. Because, of course, if Daniel doesn't do what is expected of him, then still Daniel will go, well, to be fair, I wasn't included in the first thing and they lied to you because they said we all agreed. You with me? Or secondly, Daniel does get thrown into the lion's den and let's say Daniel does get eaten. They're still in a mess because the king tries to save his life, as we're about to see. And the king's going to go, well, there's no way that Daniel would have made an edict like this and set a decree in place like this if he'd have known he was going to carry on and worship his God. So either way, they were in a mess. You think at no point have they engaged their brain. Anybody ever been in that situation? Just me, you judgy lot. You know, so often we go headstrong into something that we say, do you know, I've got this, I've got it, I've got it, I'm just going to do this, and I'm, and me, and I, and I, and I, and I, and at no point do we consider that God might have a say in what's about to happen. And we think, I've got this. And we rush headstrong into something and we can make such an issue. You know, when we read the word of God, sometimes we read over things and we think, well, that can't be for us. That's based on people who didn't know Yahweh. No, we take lessons from it because we have to learn. If we want to grow spiritually, if we want to be spiritually mature, then we have to take into account all that's going off. We have to listen to the word of God. We have to let it to, to settle on our hearts so that we can mature and we can grow up and we don't just crave the, the, the milk and the soft food, but we want meat to the bones. We want to know why it all works like it does, how God is so in control, the will of God and how it works for our life. We want the meat on the bones. We want the good stuff, don't we, church? No? Okay. Some of us, what? We want the good stuff, don't we? We want to know what God's got planned. And they're scheming then, these guys, have not thought anything through. They've found themselves in a whole world of pain, essentially. And what they've tried to do is trip Daniel up in red tape. Now, I don't know whether you've ever been in a situation like this, perhaps at work, um, or, or maybe just uh, school life, or maybe um, just even in family circles, that there are things that can happen when people just bring a, about this red tape. It's not literal red tape. I've looked for that before. doesn't exist. I've tried to find it. But people bring this red tape that says, right, these are the rules, these are the regulations, this is how you've got to do it, and you've not done it like that. Take a breath. Step back. Hang on a minute. Don't tie me up trying to put weight onto me in the sense that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Daniel here, right, is absolutely certain who he is. And the red tape that they're going to try and bind him up in is red tape that cannot be removed. The rules and regulations around the Medes and the Persians were that when they'd written something down as a decree, it couldn't be changed. So the king was in a mess. He loved this guy, Daniel. And the word goes on to tell us how much he cared. Uh, verse 8 says, Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. 
So King Darius put the decree in, uh, decree in writing. Listen to this. Now, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, listen to the words, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, I don't know, when you've read this story before, and I'm certain that for years you, you've known this story. When we talked about power up this morning, you expect the power up to be in the lion's den, don't you? Because I do. I expect it to be there. Where does Daniel need his power up? It's got to be in the lion's den. It's not, is it? It's here. It's here. In verse 10 is where it is. Daniel learned uh, that the decree had been published. He's like, well, I wasn't included in that. <laughs> Here's a pickle. And when, uh, when he learned of it, he went home, upstairs, in his house, windows open, and prayed. Don't you love that? If that's not a moment of power up, I don't know what is. He is absolutely certain he knows who he is. There's nothing better than conviction, is there? I know who I am. I'm going to stand firm in that. And it doesn't matter to me if you don't like that I'm a Christian because that's who I am. And, and so be it. We might not be friends. But I am not going to dilute who I am for you. I am not going to draw the curtains and pray out of your way so I don't offend you. I'm going to be who God has set me on a path to be and I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship and listen to the moment because you don't think for a second that Daniel's just brazen, doesn't realise the gravity of the situation. He's in a position now where he knows full well he's going against the decree. He also knows the Medan Persian law. So he knows full well that Darius, however much he likes him, is now not going to be able to do anything. So Daniel's about to be thrown into the lion's den and he's up there praying and giving thanks. Isn't that weird? Why would you give thanks, Daniel? You'd be like, Lord, please save me. This is not good. Everything is wrong. <laughs> I'm in a pickle. Nobody's asked me. Now I'm here and I'm praying. I, I, I should have drawn the curtains. Why have I not drawn the curtains? That's not what he's doing at all. He's doing what he does. And he's giving thanks in the situation, even though he has no idea of what the outcome's going to be. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I'm going to give thanks. I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I'm going to praise God. Why? Well, because I know God's in control. So whatever the outcome is, it's not going to be a surprise to him. He's not going to go, well, I never. That, God has never done that, and he's never going to do that. He's never going to stand there shocked and amazed at the situation like, well, I don't believe it. The Bible tells us the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's already tomorrow. He's already there. We just have to trust him. We have to stand firm. We have to have conviction and say, I am the Lord. So I'm going to stand here today and I'm going to praise and I'm going to worship and I'm going to do it three times a day as I've always done. The window is going to be open. I am not hiding who I am. I'm going to make no apology for where I stand. I will not dilute my faith for you. 
I get down off my soapbox. But Daniel operates with a faith and obedience church that should challenge our hearts. That says, no, this is how I want to live. That I want to be courageous. And I, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to stand and upset people. But nevertheless, I'm not going to change who I am. Because I know that I'm on the winning side. I know that I needed a saviour in my life. I'm not standing here in judgment saying I'm perfect. Look, I'm going to heaven. No, I'm standing here before you saying I am far from perfect. So much so that I needed a saviour. And that same saviour is available to you today. And the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And I know that I've done stuff wrong. I mean, if you think that you haven't done anything wrong, then I challenge you. Stand up now. If you've done nothing wrong ever, that's a brave claim from the pulpit, isn't it? Because the truth is, we've all done things wrong. We have all sinned, the Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we are all in the all. So we need a saviour. And Daniel makes no apology for who he is. His faith and obedience wows me every time I read it. And his power-up moment happened in verse 10 when he did not change who he was. He did not change putting God first. And my challenge to us today is if we're in a position where we feel like we're trying to dilute ourselves, we're trying to just keep it under wraps, we don't want to upset people, then the question is who's cut in on us? Who, who's stepped in line? Who's pushed us off the, off the path? Because church, we've got to stand strong, haven't we? In a world of craziness, where you, you've got a queue for two hours to fill your car up at the minute. In a world where we think, they haven't got it all together. <laughs> the world needs a saviour. Jesus has been sent for you and for me. Let's take advantage of these moments where people are so desperately hopeless and show them that we have hope that's steadfast and sure. It doesn't mean I don't worry. I've only got half a tank of diesel. <laughs> but I'm not going to worry. I don't want to. God, I want to put that to one side. I want to focus on you. Don't let that change who I am. Don't let that change me. Let me stand firm in the fact that I am yours, that you are here, and that whatever tomorrow brings, that you're already there, so you know all about it. And together, we'll get through it, whatever that looks like. Verse 11 through 14 goes on to say, And those men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. And it moves on. Uh, verse 13, they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty. I thought he'd issued a decree. I thought he were part of it. You see how it's a slippery slope from here? They're in a bit of a mess, aren't they? He prays three times a day. When the king heard this, listen, he was greatly distressed and he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sunset to save him. You see, they're in a right pickle. They have made a rod for their own back that they are not going to be able to get out of. And Daniel then, because of the fact that this uh, decree has been issued, is thrown into a lion's den. Hungry lions. And he's thrown in there, the stone is put on top, and it's sealed with the king's seal, so that nobody can disturb it. 
And at that point, these satraps and etc. are like, victory. Oh, never underestimate God, eh? Never underestimate God. Amen, indeed. God rescued Daniel. Listen to this, verse 19 through 23. At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. What a testimony. <laughs> Love it. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from, his, uh, from the lions? Are oh, you bet he has. Listen, Daniel answered, my, uh, may the king live forever. Can you imagine that? He's been thrown into a, a den of hungry lions and Daniel answers back. He spent the entire night in a den of lions. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. What an incredible account. What an incredible account for us to see that faith and obedience, that is uh, Daniel's strength, his courageousness, to stand firm for God, to not be swayed by anybody around him, but to live with God at the centre of his life. He wasn't going to conform to what the world said, but rather he was going to power up. He was going to keep living for God. Church, if you continue reading after verse 23, and I challenge you on your way home or when you get home if you're driving, because that would be awkward. Have a read and have a look at what happens because it's a mess. But church, let's cling to this. That we need to be brave that we need to be bold, that we need to stand firm and we need to know who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and then we're going to have a, a worship media to close. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you, Father God, that as we see in this story that Daniel was willing to stand up for you, whatever the cost, he wasn't going to dilute his faith for anybody. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just give us that faith and obedience. Father, you give us that strength. Father, you give us courage on our day to day that we would just stand firm for you. Father, we thank you that you love us enough to have given your very best in the Lord Jesus Christ for each of us. And I just pray, Lord, that as we realise the weight and the gravity of the sin in our lives, that if we don't know you as Lord and Saviour, Father, that today might be the day where we recognise that sin and where we ask you to save us. Father, when we accept the work of the cross and we proclaim that Jesus is enough. Father, may that be the cry of our hearts today. Lord, we just thank you again and we pray, Lord God, that you'll just be with us over the coming days and weeks. And Father, as we meet again together midweek, that you just keep us safe, that you'll be with us and bless us. We ask all of these prayers in and through our Saviour's precious name the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.